0: welcome to the stories of Northern life from the Sault Ste. Museum. Today I get to share with you an interview with a kind and intelligent person named Bryant McBride. He has been on my list for a few years now to reach out to and I'm so happy he agreed to chat with me and so you can hear his words for yourself. But before I get into it I want to share a little more background on who he is and what he has achieved. So Brian McBride was born on May 30th, 1965, in Chicago, Illinois. His mom remarried, and they moved here to Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada, when he was just five. As most of us know, Sault Ste. Marie is considered a hotbed of hockey activity, having produced upwards of 40 players that went on to the NHL, including the legendary Ron Francis. Ron was a regular opponent of McBride's when the two were growing up, and they still are very close friends. McBride graduated from Bewadding High School in 1983. His talent on the ice attracted the interest of West Point Military Academy. Since his mother was an American citizen, the door was open to West Point. But before he can go, they wanted him to attend an American school first. So he went to Wilston, Northampton, a prep school in East Hampton, Massachusetts. In 1984, Bryant McBride became the first African-American class president at the famed United States Military Academy, all while playing hockey and being in the glee club. He only stayed at the school for one and a half years. He said West Point was one of the greatest schools in the world at what it does, and that is train army officers. But becoming an officer was just not what he wanted to do. So, he went on to Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut in 1986. He chose the school for academic reasons, but he was also offered a scholarship to play hockey for the Division II school. With the team, they won the Eastern Collegiate Athletic Conference Championship and was named Division II All-American in 1988. And again, he was the first black class president in his senior year. After his hard work in his undergrad years, he was accepted to Harvard University and completed a master's degree in public administration in 1990. After a few great jobs and meeting his wife, he was looking for his next move. McBride had a friend who worked as an executive with the Detroit Red Wings. He faxed Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL at the time, Bryant's resume. Soon, Bryant went to New York to meet the commissioner, After the meeting, Bryant was named the Director of New Business Development with the charge to grow the game and by giving more people a chance to play hockey. He accomplished many great things throughout his tenure at the NHL, not to mention becoming the highest-ranking African-American executive in the history of the National Hockey League. He divided his role into four categories and duties, one to build more community ranks Ice rinks for people of all ages to have access to at all hours of the day and night. McBride spearheaded the construction of new rinks in North Hampshire, Connecticut, Indiana, and Michigan. Second goal was to attract more minority kids to the sport. He never had a black teammate. From his experience being called names on the ice as a kid, he wanted to eliminate the intimidation of playing hockey for upcoming minority kids. Getting more players of color to the NHL and letting that become a new standard was another goal. McBride was in charge of the NHL ASSIST program, ASSIST standing for Assists, Shooters, and Skaters in Succeeding Together. The plan gives $100,000 a year to needy hockey players in Hungary, Romania, as well as handicap programs and girls teams in the United States. He served as the league's representative in monitoring the European Hockey League, which made strides in providing an avenue for the NHL expansion into Europe. When he began his tenure at the NHL, there were only six hockey organizations for inner-city kids across the United States and Canada. Today, with the help of the NHL and USA Hockey, McBride has created a diversity task force, made up of 26 inner city organizations across North America. He even recruited Willie O'Ree, the first black player in the NHL, to serve as a role model to young African-American kids who might have an interest in playing hockey. Bryant is also the producer of Willie, a sports documentary film on pioneering hockey player Willie O'Ree, who played in the National Hockey League for Boston Bruins in the 1957-58 season, as well as the 1960-1961 season. The film stars William Ree himself, of course, Gary Bettman, and our Sir James Dunn alumni Wayne Gretzky. Leadership has been in his repertoire of skills for a long while before building startups and taking on important leadership roles. Since 2000, he has built seven startups, all at the intersection of sports and technology. One of his startups is a leading user-generated content engagement platform for broadcasters, media companies, and brands called Burst. Companies like MTV, Fox News, TSN, Radio Disney, The Weather Channel, and CNBC, to name a few, use the platform. This man is unstoppable, so please stick around and listen to our conversation this past Tuesday, February 21st. <laughs> Hello. I can't hear you. I'm not sure if that's on my
1: how's that? Is that better? Yes. Okay, great. And just so I have it in the right, is your name Mari?
0: Mari, yes.
1: And and how's it spelled? It's spelled a little bit different. How's it spelled again?
0: M-A-I-R-I.
1: My daughter's name is M-A-R-I. Really? No way. (laughs) Marielsa is her full name. Yeah, yours has one extra I yes, compared right. to my daughter's. Yes. Way. That's the Scottish way. M-A-I-L-I. That's the Scottish way, my wife is saying. Yes. yes, yes, yes exactly. to okay, awesome. Well, great to meet you. Great yeah, to meet you me.
0: too. I'm so happy to have you here today. Um, So as you know, I came across your story on Facebook a few years ago, um, and we made a little post as well on your achievements, um, because you are very well accomplished, and a lot of where your passions lies is surrounding a topic, the Sioux is very passionate about hockey. Um, Unfortunately, I'm not super passionate about (laughs) hockey, um, but I am interested in people's stories, especially people that have achieved great things coming from little isolated Sioux St. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Um, So I'd like to shed a light on you and your story because it deserves to be shared as an example of what we can all achieve and what trailblazing can be done coming from Sioux St. Marie. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat.
1: Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Glad Uh, to be asked.
0: Yeah. So I'd love to dive into your beginnings here in the Sioux and get a better understanding of how you propelled to be where you are today. Um, So let's start right at the beginning. Um, Can you paint me a picture of your early life here in Sioux St. Marie? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, moved, I moved to the Sioux when I was five. Um, I was born in Chicago, um, was moved. Um, you know, my, my mom um, married my dad, who technically is my stepdad, but he's my dad. I've only you know known him and he actually visited, he's almost 90 now. And he visited us last week for my daughter's birthday. So he, he has raised me and us, excuse me, and been an incredible influence on my life give me incredible opportunities, frankly, and he's from the Sioux, you know, so when, when uh, my mom and he met in Chicago, um, when I was really young, when I was four or five years old, they decided to marry and, and raise us in, in Sault Ste. Marie. And, uh, I had no idea where I was going, what was mm-hmm. happening, but it turned out to be one of the most incredible strokes of luck. It, it, it really, it literally changed my life. It mm-hmm. defined, um, my trajectory coming from Sault Ste. Marie. And I, um, and I tell everyone proudly to this day that I'm from the Sioux. It, it was just such an incredible place to grow up. Um, just you know, I love sports, as you know. Um, I got the opportunity to just play, you know, play sports every season. Um, I saw some of your questions beforehand. Mm-hmm. Probably some of the most the most signature moments um, in my in my childhood were were playing. Uh, on school rinks, you know, where they had to maintain a rink behind every school, every uh, grade school in the Sioux. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, you know, I remember one quick vignette, um, getting to school at at 6.37 in the morning, playing until 8.45 when you had to, you know, go go into the school, um, taking our skates off in the school, going all day, playing at lunch, getting back on the ice at 3.05, playing until six, skating home on the roads, literally. (laughs) I don't think you can still do it because of climate change, but literally skating home on the roads and then going into my house in my skates, walking around in the house in skates Uh with with newspaper and plastic down so I wouldn't (laughs) damage the floors, eating my dinner as fast as I could, then going back out to play for another two or three hours. That was every day. It's kind of like, uh, the sweater, right. <laughs> with, uh, the famous, uh, the famous book, but that's, that was literally what I did and, um, what we all did. And it's the reason that there are so many NHL players and coaches from the Sioux. That's yeah. literally the reason. And, uh, I was, I was in the guts of that system and, um, of uh, that movement and played with so many NHL players who I still stay in touch with. Ronnie Francis is a dear friend. Um, you know, so still, uh, Still, I mean, you tell people in hockey circles that I'm from Sault Ste. Marie and it means you're legitimate.
0: Mm, Yes, yes.
1: Long, long, long answer. Sorry, but. No, that was beautiful.
0: That was beautiful. Um, Where did you go to elementary school? Whereabouts were you living at the time?
1: Yeah, I was living. I went to, I went to Kuwaiting Public School and I went to Bawadding. What was Bawadding and now is Lake Superior, I think. Yes. Right. That's where Um, I went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to the same school and um, different building, but same, we were on the same ground. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, so, you know, I lived up near, um, I lived up near um, Sioux Buildings and Works on Sackville Road. Mm -hmm. um, Right there. I lived right across the street on Sackville Road. Then I moved to LaSalle Court around the corner, uh, not far away. And um, yeah, and spent a ton of time um, you know, I, 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 like, this is a good example. I went to, um, I, I like to tell stories as you can tell, <laughs> it's a better way to, to do. things. I love to um, hear stories. So <laughs> well, it's, it's just a better, people remember that remember it better. Hopefully. So, um, like I would, I would start, I would start on LaSalle court stretching, getting, you know, working out and then I'd run to Fort Creek mm-hmm. right before a lot of the housing was built. It was still very much. It's still a conservation area of course yes. right so i would run to this to the hill fort creek hill right near the dam you know you know where that is mm-hmm, yep. and i literally would run that hill 15 20 30 times a day like just insane and um and then took it from there to searchmont and would run that and this is all in preparation to go to west point right so when i got to west point and they were it's very very hard it's it's the hazing and it's just it's incredibly strenuous and it's just incredibly difficult, very challenging mentally. They, they, we got to the bottom, they do different things to really test us physically. Mm -hmm. And so one day they pulled up in front of a ski hill, all of us, 1500 of us. And I was like, awesome. (laughs) Because of Fort Creek and Searchmont, you know, so I came third out of 1500 on that on that ski hill run, and I was a hockey player. They were like, Who are you like, you're not cross country runner. Um, So yeah, it worked out really well. So anyway, I just it just that's that's, um, I think, indicative of the suit just it just prepared me for so much, you know, the academics were were really good, you know, I ended up going to Harvard. you know, you have to have some good teachers to, for that to happen. Definitely, and I had I had amazing teachers at in grade school at Bawading, um, incredible teachers, frankly, and um, who really took an interest and who really cared, got me um, got me to a place where I could uh, um, go to a, a school in the states that, and I didn't miss a beat. I did did well at, at all of them.
0: That's incredible to to hear. So putting yourself in the shoes of your high school self, what were you thinking in terms of your, your future? What, what did you imagine? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And this is, I don't want it to sound too crazy, but, um, you know, I wanted to be relevant in the sports world. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, wanted to be able to go to the Super Bowl if I wanted to, or go to Wimbledon or, you know, and, and have business to attend to and have important things to, that I was working on. Right. And that's luckily, that's what I've been able to do. So I knew that when I was 12 years old, told my mom that she was like, what do you mean? Like sports (laughs) marketing wasn't a discipline. It didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I thought that if I could work in sports, I'd always be happy. And that's what, that's largely what I've done.
0: Yeah. That's incredible that you, you just knew. I feel like that's, that's what we all need that sets you in the right direction to go places. Yeah.
1: I mean, a good example is I, I you know this is very early on. I was in my teens, and I, I was fascinated by um, the history of sports, mm-hmm. right? And um, I remember reading about the Homestead Grays and the Kansas City Monarchs. Okay. They were Negro league baseball teams. And I was like, whoa, they had to play in different leagues. They weren't allowed. you know, so all of that started to really hit me. those they planted those seeds you know, uh, around social justice that I'm, I'm incredibly active in. I saw your notes, you know, and I'm happy to talk about that if you'd like. Um, so it planted those seeds. So I remember learning about Buck O'Neill, who was, um, you know, one of the great Negro league players. And I'm making a movie about his life right now.
0: Wow. Amazing. (laughs) I'll
1: send you the, I'll send you the trailer. trailer Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm working on it with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment and the Toronto Maple Leafs and, um, Uh, Hall Hockey Hall of Fame. This is on it's on Herb Carnegie, who just got into the Hockey Hall of Fame, a black player that I was, uh, I I was uh, behind, I was helpful in making that happen. And so we made this film called One Week in November, about these two gentlemen who weren't allowed to play, persevered, changed the world, Mm -hmm. um, so that other people wouldn't have to go through what they went through, um, found a way, came tantalizingly close in 2006 when they were in their 80s and 90s to getting into the Hall of Fame, they both just barely missed out while they were alive and they died shortly afterwards. 16 years later, white, black, brown people all got together, kept, took that baton and they both got in this past November.
0: Amazing. That's, what
1: the, that's what the film's about.
0: Yes. I tried looking for your other film that you produced, Willie, and I couldn't seem to find it. So if you well, we have
1: it just went up on cbc gem okay like last week so you can get it on cbc gem yeah so we just we just did a new deal with cbc so you i was looking at it earlier today it it looks great it's one of the new it says you know new new films uh new documentaries and you'll you'll see it
0: awesome perfect great um because if not i was going to ask if we could screen it here at the museum sometimes we do movies. we're happy
1: to yeah if you if you ever you know i you know i don't get home a lot um but if you, I don't know if you guys, um, you know, have budgets for those kinds of things or whatever. I have other film, you know, I, I'm the co-producer, so I do have a responsibility to uh, others that, you know, so we do charge right. for screenings. Right. But if you do, um, I'm happy to happy to do
0: it. Yeah. So another question, uh, like you, you kind of just mentioned there, how often do you come back to see St. Marie? And have you been back?
1: Yeah, I, I, I get back, I get back a lot. You know, I haven't been back since the pandemic, unfortunately, but, um, you know, you, you were at superior Heights, superior Heights. Yeah. Um, so you probably ran across Mr. Mr. Iaco, Sergio Ayako at Cora. He's one of my dearest friends in the world. Um, I talked to him last week, um, yeah. you know, so, um, so yeah, I get back to see him and Sam Medalia and uh, Peter Nero and uh, George Di Bernardino. And uh, I mean, I just have a I, Tim Lucenda, I have a hundred friends there still that are still really near and dear to my heart. So, and my dad lives there six months of the year. So, oh, okay. Um, so, so yeah, so I get back as, mu- as much as I possibly can. And I have cousins that are there still. Um. So, so yeah, it's, uh, awesome. it's, 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 I still, I'll always call it home.
0: Yeah. You'll have to come by the Saint museum. and. Work. I would
1: love <laughs> to. Now, are you located, I, I remember you used to be near the old, is it the Tinger house?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're the big building with the clock tower on the top
1: so right on the corner of queen and uh yeah right there okay yeah okay awesome
0: yeah (laughs) and if you have any photos or videos you would love to share with us um we can put it into the collection and have um you a spot for you in the collection as well as promo for this episode that'd be absolutely amazing
1: we're working on redoing our
0: sports gallery soon that's
1: quite an offer so. Um, I'm only in one other museum that I'm really proud of. I'm in the um, um, because of work I did at the NHL and I was the first Black executive there and with Willie O'Ree. Um, my my shin pads um, and my hockey equipment is in the uh, Smithsonian in the um, the Museum of um, African American History. So that's, that, that's that's my one museum. So we're not
0: Smithsonian, but, <laughs> so, but happy happy to, happy to, happy to
1: do here. it. Yeah, no, I let me think about that a little bit. Um, as to what I would have. And um, it may take me a little bit, but, yeah. I, I, but you, have, you have full permission to bother me to send you stuff and I'll make <laughs> sure that that myself or my partner or my uh, colleague, Linda, go ahead and my colleague, Linda, will, will help us on that.
0: Awesome, thank you. Um, let's see. What else do I wanna ask you? Um, so maybe what is diversity like in hockey today? And um, what are some, like, actual things that that place like Sault St. Marie could implement to help bring diversity to the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's a – I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing it for about 30 years. I never had a teammate of color, you know, in mm-hmm. my time. Um, and um, I very much – that always bothered me. And it's, you know, when I got to the point where – I could do something about that where i got to the nhl i looked around this is in the in the 90s right so there was no dei so to speak right um and i said you know what i have to do something about this and and in earnest i went to gary and um went to commissioner batman and um and said you know what we need to do something about this and he said absolutely what do you want to do and i said let me think about it and the first thing i did was i went and i um when I was 10 years old, I went to the library I went to the Sioux library and I looked for the um, first black hockey player. And there was Willie O'Ree. And I was really upset with him because I wanted <laughs> to be the first black player. But I got past it. Uh, that lasted from 10 to 12. And um, <laughs> I got past it. And, um, and then when I got to the NHL, I made a point to find him. And that's in the film. You'll see all that played out in the film. I had a friend of mine who was a black FBI agent who helped me find him. And, um, and we tracked him down, and uh, I met him, and I was just blown away by who he was. Earnest, humble, incredibly um, just passionate and amazing man who was working security in San Diego. He was 61, and the whole world had forgotten about him. And I said, and you know, I, I, that I couldn't believe. And then at the same breath there's on his wall in his office, there's the Order of Canada.
0: Wow
1: the highest civilian honor given by the Canadian government. Right. I was like, this is crazy. So I figured out how to hire him. It took a while, but I figured out how to hire him. And he still works for the NHL today. And, you know, watching his Jersey get retired in the Boston garden a year ago was emotional. I cried. It was, that's, that was 20 some years of work. And just to really shine a light on his story, and have people understand the importance of who he was and what he had to navigate to get there. Now, as it pertains to the the Sioux and every other hockey community, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about intentionality, Mm -hmm. right? It's really about intentionality because the two superpowers of racism, frankly, are its invisibility. Mm -hmm. Just it's what we swim in. It's what we all navigate on a daily basis is the... construct and and frankly the false construct that was that permeates everything we do in north america Mm -hmm. right that some people is a caste system if you will i don't know if you're um a reader i'm sure you are but isabel wilkerson's book cast c-a-s-t-e brilliant and it really kind of helps you understand Mm -hmm. racism's invisibility as a superpower and the second superpower is its ability to propagate without just by being still, mm-hmm. by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, if you do nothing, it spreads.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it really takes intentionality to, to stop the spread and to make it visible. Mm-hmm. That's the key. And that's after a lot of reading, a lot of research, a lot of, you know, hard. And these are conversations that people here in the States are fighting against right now. Right. So it's not simple. I live in a beautiful bucolic little town north of um, Boston called Lexington, Massachusetts, you know, shot heard around the world. Paul, I live around the corner from John Hancock's house, you know, and those fights are still going on in this country, which is, which is insulting, frankly, and insane. So I I look at this and I approach this through the lens of, of hockey because I think it's, it's where I know some people luckily, and it's where I can make a difference. And I can, and I have a bit of a platform that I've, you know, created for myself, frankly. And, um, and so I'm, I'm very much about intentionality, about speaking openly about these topics, about people, um, wrapping their heads around them in a way that, that, that our formal education hasn't done, frankly. Right. Um, and, and a lot of people don't want that to happen, Mm. but it has to happen so that, so that some basic truths, you know, my goal and the one thing that I would, you know, people ask me, well, what are you, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself out there and putting a target on your back and doing all of these things? My goal and what I would love to see, because the United States has not had the guts like Rwanda, Canada, Germany, which we made them do it, South Africa, we we made every German citizen walk through a concentration camp at the end of the war. Mm-hmm. We need, we need to be, the United States needs to have the guts to do truth and reconciliation. Yeah. And they just don't have it yet. You know, um, they they don't want to, there's a third of the country who I don't know if they'll ever come around to it, frankly, right? And that was fueled by the insanity that was the four years before this president. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was insanity. I'm sorry, but I'm going to just call it like it was. And I had friends that um, I don't want to make this political, but but I had friends that would say, Oh, well, you know, lower tax and I'm like, No, 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 you don't understand. He makes life for my children more dangerous every day. Yeah. It's real simple. Those kids you love and I love, he makes their lives more dangerous every day. So anyway, enough of that. So um, but but yeah, that's the that's the reason, right? Is yeah. that that I'm, that I, I would love to the Sue and every community to embrace these ideals and to talk yeah. openly and thoughtfully about these, about these truths, because they're truths. I don't care what anyone says. I don't deal in rumors. I deal in the irrefutable.
0: Mm. And
1: these things are irrefutable mm. as to what has happened, how the system has, has grown. And we haven't even talked about, mm. you know, talked about first Nations people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable yeah. what, what is glossed over. Yeah. In, you know, the name of, sorry, we're getting really heavy here, but, but, you know, what is glossed over and ignored, frankly, yes you know, in the name of capitalism and in the name uh-huh. of, you know, betterment. I mean, yeah. What you mean, you mean the genocide that, that in North America, where there were 80 to 90 million, a hundred million native people, and there's 4 million left. Mm-hmm.
0: It's
1: the greatest genocide in the history of the world
0: yeah.
1: and people ignore it.
0: Yeah. It's wrong. It is.
1: It's my two cents.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Well needs to be heard, needs to be shared, needs to be talked about. Yeah. I thank you.
1: You're welcome. What (laughs) else can I what else can I answer for you?
0: (laughs) Um I'd like to talk about, um, your entrepreneurial spirit. So you started seven startups and this far in your career, and, um, now you have burst have user generated content platform mm-hmm. that you are the co-founder and CEO of. So I'm just interested in, mm-hmm. did you always have this drive to build and create and where did this, um, entrepreneurial spirit come from? from? Yeah.
1: It's such a crazy journey. You know, mm-hmm. I did not know that I was an entrepreneur. Um, what I figured out really quickly is that I wanted to work for myself.
0: Mm.
1: And, and and frankly, I couldn't quite, as you get older, you figure some stuff out. I couldn't pinpoint it, but when I was in certain jobs, I knew that they weren't gonna take care of me. They weren't gonna, I wasn't gonna climb. I wasn't, I felt like I was being judged all the time. I, you know, I'm, I'm 57, so this is a long time. You know, this is 30, 35 years, 40 years worth of work, right? And, and I'm, I'm going through everything and I'm navigating and I'm, I, I mean, I'm relentless. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not skinny and I've run 27, 26 marathons. Right. I mean, I've done a lot and I'm just don't give up no matter what. And, and that was ingrained in me by my parents. Um, and my mom said to me very early, she had that talk with me as, as most kids of color have, you're going to have to be twice as good mm. to get what you need and where you want. She combined that, with also, you can do anything you put your mind to. Like, wow, that's pretty potent rocket fuel for, you know, for, sure. uh, for a kid, right? And I believed her and I still believe her to this day. So, so went about, got, you know, was at the NHL and had all these fun, cool jobs and did all this fun stuff. And, um, and I finally was like, you know what? I, I have to do this for myself so the only person who can let me go or fire me is me or my wife (laughs) right so um so I took that risk and you know it's been full of challenges it's been full of victories but full of challenges going through full challenges right now that are just it just blows your mind right just some of the things that and realizations okay Mm. this is crazy this is crazy what I'm going to tell you okay like and I realized this 24 months ago,
0: Hmm.
1: 24 months ago. I've been doing this for 22 years. I've been an entrepreneur at the intersection of media, sports and technology for 22 years. I've looked at 9,000 opportunities. I've invested in nine, in 22 years, right? That's ridiculous, it's a ton of work. We're five one and one, we've had some victories. Um, We've had five victories, one tie, one loss and I've got two working still, okay? And what I discovered, I didn't know this and I'm ashamed of it, frankly. What I discovered um, 22 years ago, what percentage of capital, investable capital to build businesses, goes to Black entrepreneurs in North America? Do you know no. that number? No. It's now 2%.
0: Wow.
1: It was 1% before George Floyd, it's doubled. Wow. So when people say there's no systemic racism,
0: mm.
1: it's comical. Mm. That's the mountain I've had to climb yeah. to build those businesses, to get that capital. Yeah. And so on one side, that's an incredibly steep, hard climb. On the other side, I've been able to climb it because of the progress made by King and Malcolm X and you know, John Lewis. And you know, people are like, oh, well, there's been so much progress. Absolutely, there's been so much progress. But that's just superficial in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. if, if our progress is that we don't say the N-word in polite company, come on, yeah. we can do better than that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So um, I hope, I think. So consequently, um, consequently, I'm after the entrenched systemic heart, the invisible, the silently propagating, mm racism in North America. Yeah. That's what I'm after. And I'm nuts about it. And I'm doing some things right now to change that, to, um, to change people's apertures from here to here. Mm. My wife puts it best. She calls it like, if you watch Willie, watch the film, we made a social justice film disguised as a hockey movie. Right. On purpose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So that people would eat their vegetables. <laughs> <Not realized laughs> yeah. They were eating their vegetables. Now we're trying to do that at scale across the United States to 85% of the United States every week. Mm-hmm. Messages that teach, heal, and humanize. That's yeah. what I'm working on right now.
0: That's incredible. We're trying. We're trying. Yeah. And that's that's all we can do, I guess. Work it's work great. little by little away at, at big things that are meaningful. That's awesome. Um. So maybe we'll leave it off with. Do you have a favorite memory? Um. Or oh, think about so the marine.
1: There's so many memories. Um. Every time I go back, I have a new one. It's um. Yeah. You know, my my. I, I literally am on a group chat with with twenty of my friends from the Sioux every day. <laughs> like every day. My, my, my boys, right, who went yeah, to Lakeway yeah. and Wadding and, you know, we're still arguing over who won NASA and, you know, <laughs> the call that was, no, seriously, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So, you know, those guys are my memories and, mm. and their current, you know, memories, like literally this morning, um, how did the Leafs lose to the Blackhawks? That was terrible, you know, kind of, and, you know, so, so that's, that's incredible, um, that I've not gone, here, here's a simple way to say it but I do want to point to a couple of specific memories, but here's a simple way to say it. I have not, I left the Sioux when I was 18 years old, almost Mm -hmm. 40 years ago. Okay. I've not gone one month without talking to someone from Sioux St. Marie in that whole time.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's wealth. That's wealth. Yeah.
1: Right. Like what's better than that. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and those people have been comprised of my classmates and my teammates and you know, my competitors and, but, but, but in particular, my coaches. Yeah. The coaches in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, and not just in hockey, uh, in soccer, and basketball, and football, just, wow, the, the time and the effort and, the, and what they poured into us. Yeah. You know, was just, I mean, it's, I had some of the greatest coaching in my life in that city, looking back on it, right? There was a reason that at one point from Sault Ste. Marie, there were five NHL coaches at one time. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Those are 32 of the hardest jobs in the world to get. And five of them at one point came from Sault Ste. Marie. That's crazy, right? But it just shows the level of commitment and expertise that is is just in the water there. That's in in the DNA of the city.
0: And do you have a lasting note or message you wanna share with people growing up in Northern Ontario?
1: It, it um, you know, all the all the shoveling of snow, all of the weather, all of the elements, all of the, um, just you know, rugged, figure it out. Nothing prepares you better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the Sioux. That's what it means to come from the Sioux. Yeah, figure it out.
0: Yeah, and you do <laughs> yeah. drive
1: ten hours, drive nine hours for a for one hockey game, yep. done. And when, we, and when we get there, we'll kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, 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 yes. I grew up as a competitive dancer, so I'm, I'm the same thing, driving 10 hours, and yeah, winning it all.
1: You know? Yeah. They, my wife, I married into a family of dancers. Mm. My, uh, my sister-in-law is the head of the, pro, the dance program at Boston University. Nice. Um, my other sister runs a professional, comp- sister-in-law runs a professional company. My, my mom's mom and dad were um, started the um, New England Folk Arts um, oh. Festival and an organization 50 years ago. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, very immersed in. Uh, so you were doing Scottish dancing, I take it?
0: Um, my mom is actually a Scottish Highland dance teacher, but I also grew up doing ballet, tap, jazz, lyrical contemporary, everything. Art, yeah. and everything. Yeah.
1: So, Marianne Taylor, my mom's, my, uh, my wife's mom, was um uh tina uh, she's busy um <laughs> she she talked for the royal scottish she was a high she was a scottish um highland dance teacher that's what wow. she did wow. yeah I, I i've been to scottish balls in a kilt the whole thing embarrassing Amazing. myself they were like oh you're trying so hard <laughs> <laughs> the reels all of it yeah no i'm um, i'm not afraid
0: <laughs> that's awesome that's so awesome. It's
1: really fun really fun <laughs>
0: well i thank you so much i don't want to take oh so you're very much time, welcome um but thank you so so much for chatting with me today and i'm just so i'm so excited to share your story with the people of Sault saint marie and get it out there and i just yeah thank you
1: oh you're very welcome and if you guys you know i wish i could uh just drop everything but if you guys have like, seriously i just want to make sure my investors are mostly whole but but i'm you know if you guys have budget to do a screening we'd love to do it
0: yes Thanks. Thank you. So we'll be in touch. Thank you. All
1: right. Mari, all the best. Thank you. Yes,
0: you you too. Thank you.
1: Bye bye.